0: Podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension
1: everyone and welcome back to time shifters the 2022 year hat tom happy new year
0: happy new year sir
1: i can't believe it we i can't believe we made it frankly
0: (laughs) Uh, that that has yet to be seen too it's way too (laughs) early in the year (laughs) to To see what made it works. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true. Yeah, the, there there is still plenty of time for this world to end. Uh, maybe the Mayans uh, <laughs> were just off a little bit. Could be, or maybe we want them to be right. I don't know which. I don't know. well, t- this is going to be a fun year. We decided we we're going to f- pretty much dedicate this entire year to the topic of time travel. This is a subject that I think we both are fans of, unless I'm severely mistaken on your part.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but I, I I, I will always caveat it. I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with, uh, with time travel. I love it as an element, but you can make it go so horribly wrong so easily.
1: <laughs> that is very true. We will get into that a little bit. Absolutely. I do want to discuss a little bit about our own... Um, our own thoughts and experience on the subject matter. I did want to briefly, and this is the briefest of brief, (laughs) give kind of a description of the, the time travel concept in popular media and stuff. There have been stories found in Hindu, Japanese, and Jewish mythology, as well as many others, and it all depicts a character skipping forward in time through mystical means or with little to no explanation at all. One of the most famous of this type of travel is probably the tale of Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving, which was published in 1819, in which a man, after enjoying too much liquor provided by a mysterious Dutchman, falls asleep in the woods and awakens 20 years in the future to find the world very different from when he left and having completely missed the American Revolution. The earliest stories of travel backwards through time can probably be credited to the Chinese. The 17th century novel, Supplement to the Journey to the west, features magical jade gateways that connect points in time. Other early stories include Samuel Madden's Memoirs of the 20th Century, published in 1733, where letters from British ambassadors of the 20th century are sent back to diplomats of, diplomats of the past, and very famously, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, published in 1843, has time travel forward and back. In 1881, Everett Edward Everett Hale wrote Hands Off, a story about a being, possibly a soul of a recently deceased, who travels back to ancient Egypt and prevents Joseph's Joseph's enslavement. And this story is often credited as the first story of time travel creating an alternate history. One of the first stories to utilize technology to achieve time travel is Edward Page Mitchell's The Clock That Went Backward from 1881. A clock runs backwards and transports people nearby back in time. No explanation is given, however, how this works. So the real credit may go to Spanish writer Enrique Gaspar and his 1887 story El Acronopete, that actually uses a vessel purposely built to travel through time. In 1895, uh, that brought H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, and this story truly popularized the idea of mechanical creations being used to take its occupants on a trip through time. And we will see examples of all the methods mentioned here, as well as a few others, as we explore time travel in television and cinema through this year's episodes. Speaking of films... One of the earliest films to involve time travel is a 1921 silent film based on Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee story. The earliest talkie is 1930's Just Imagine. Now, Lydia and I covered that film over on Orphan Entertainment back in October of 2015. That film is only tangential time travel story, as the entire film takes place in the far-flung future of 1980, Mm -hmm. complete with mile-high buildings, flying personal transports, and food from pills. A man who was struck by lightning while playing golf in 1930, which miraculously places him in a state of suspended animation, is revived in the future, and we follow his exploits as he navigates the world. So you know, it's an okay film, it has some amazing sets and miniature work, but since the star was a popular comedian of the day, it is kind of hampered by him doing his shtick throughout the film. And it's honestly painful at times. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, we will talk more about other films as we proceed through our journey. But now, yeah, now let's talk a little bit about our own experience on the subject matter. Thinking about this, I have to think the first time I really experienced anything related to time travel was likely Star Trek, the original series, which had several episodes that dealt with time travel.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, it, as we've been thinking and talking about the, this as a topic, yeah, that the Guardian of Forever episode is the one that always comes to mind. Uh, where I was probably early on um, introduced to time travel as a as a means of storytelling. Hmm. I can think of that one. Um, that'd be City on
1: the Edge of Forever, right? Yes. There is what was it called? Assignment
0: Earth. Yes, the... with
1: uh, Gary Gary Seven and um, Terry Gar. I don't remember her the character's name.
0: Right. No, I don't remember the character's name either. But yeah, the 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 one where the Enterprise is in the atmosphere and tracked down by the planes. Oh, that's actually
1: no. That is that is... another
0: episode altogether? That one comes before because that.
1: W- that episode starts out with them actually having an accident where they had to like pull away from a star at warp speed and it sent them back in time.
0: That's the first slingshot.
1: Yes, and I'm trying to remember the name of that episode.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: know. Tomorrow about- is Yesterday or something like something
0: that? Something like that. That sounds close.
1: Yes, and they end up, uh, they capture a fighter jet and a tractor beam, which destroys the jet and they have to beam the guy up, but yes. Yes,
0: and it starts a whole Air Force saga. Chain of events, yep. Yes.
1: Yes, and then they they duplicate that experiment again, and that's what sends them back in time to the 1960s where they do the the, the spin-off, or the attempted spin-off series with uh, Gary Seven and his exploits. Kind of sorry that didn't happen. Right. I would have really enjoyed that series.
0: (laughs) And I'd be curious uh, to do the research to see where they got the slingshot effect as a potential means of time travel, because... That didn't not only did Star Trek just continue to hammer at that for the rest of time like every version of the enterprises seems to have done a slingshot around something to travel through time <laughs> in just about every series but uh so it became like the way to do it but I've seen other things also use that trope um so and I'm struggling to figure remember where I've seen it also used but I mean yeah that that I'd be curious where they came up with that if there was a actual scientific principle or they just they went with it and now everybody else is copying
1: yeah exactly I'd be very interested to know if there was an actual theory floating around that a writer used or if that really was something that they just came up you know out of the head of Zeus kind of thing
0: For those of you out there listening, if you've got info, please share it. Uh, We'd love to follow up on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, Yeah, so definitely Star Trek. And then
1: I think almost every series, well, actually several series before Star Trek dealt with time travel. uh, We got the Time Tunnel. Many series that come later, of course, deal with it, uh, including things like uh, Voyager's. There was an episode of this Logan's Run series okay. that dealt with time travel. And if there was a sci-fi series, our one of our favorites, Babylon Five, it, it in in some manner ends up uh, dealing with time travel.
0: It actually, if you kind of think about it, the almost the entire series is driven based off of a single time travel event. Yeah, it, it yeah is that's the a thrust very good point of the entire thing. If that didn't happen they wouldn't have the entire mythology.
1: And of course, there's dozens of movies. Uh, Terminator.
0: Oh, yeah. I, is uh,
1: really just snapped for for some reason that only just snapped in my head just now when I'm trying to think of time travel movies. And I'm like, oh, well,
0: Terminator, that's kind of like an important one. When you proposed this idea and we started thinking about where do we remember our, some of our earliest um exposure to time travel as the concept the one that came up while i thought of all the star trek original series stuff for the movies the first thing that came to my mind was was escape from the planet of the apes oh yes absolutely i i remember distinctly uh because i remember at an early age this is also where i get that love hate relationship with uh with with time travel, because I know, having watched all of the monkey movies at the time when, when <laughs> I was a kid, um, when I watched that one, and essentially they propose that Caesar is born of the traveling back in time, that starts getting me thinking about paradoxes. Mm. So which is the part that will always destroy it for me when it comes to time travel, is as soon as you set up a a definitive hardcore paradox, I get the whole break in the loop thing. How do you start the loop to restart the loop kind of thing? And that starts to drive me, that that starts eating up brain power I just don't have. Right. (laughs) That is something film television that's
1: something that they tend to just typically ignore right. they do it they know they do it but they just ignore that they did it <laughs> one of the few times that i can ama- that i can think of where they actually acknowledge it is the the time machine uh remake back in uh oh my gosh what was it i don't even remember 20 something Use, he wants to use the time machine to... Doesn't he want to use the time machine to stop his wife from being killed or something? Yes, yes, yes. And towards the end of the film, they have their their little uber-morlock that it has to explain it to him, you can't do it. Because if you did that, you wouldn't have the motivation to create a time machine. Right. He explains it. you can't do that. It just it doesn't work. Like... Wow. Okay. Other than the fact there, there's so many other things about this film I don't like. Kudos to you for that. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. Uh, Acknowledging
1: that you can't do the very thing that you're trying to do in time travel, and,
0: and without me knowing, like the entire history of this as as a as a methodology of storytelling. So I can't. I don't know that I'm speaking, but that's had to be an early. Um, instance of creating a fixed point in time there is a a point that cannot be changed because if you change it you couldn't be where you are now at all like that Mm -hmm. you can't destroy that point in time it will occur no matter what and that was they even went over that every time he tried to save her she died every time it didn't the location and the method might change but she still died at that exact same time no matter what because you can't change it you don't get your time machine without it (laughs) that may be actually a film we'll have to look at
1: later in the year because now that i'm talking about it i'm thinking i actually would kind of like to revisit that one i have not watched that one as often as i have some of the other films that involve time travel
0: well and, and there's one um and I'm surprised we didn't put it on our list. We might have to, to look at, at it, but it really addresses that that notion, and that's the butterfly effect.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was on the list, actually. Absolutely, that should be one that we, uh, we, should, we should look at. We should, because I thought... The list, is not, the list is not a fixed point in time. It is <laughs> fluid.
0: <laughs> and we may create paradoxes as we go. Uh, yes. But, no, I thought that one... Um, And that one, actually, I haven't rewatched it in a long time. And I don't know why, because it actually sits with me pretty pretty hard as an effective... A movie went out of its way, a story went out of its way to point out if you time travel, what occurs may not go your way. You will not Mm. foresee every consequence that could occur... Just because you want to fix one thing, so
1: yeah, it's actually a film I have not seen, but it has been on the uh, on the list of things that I've been meaning to to watch. Just because I know what it's about. Right. I just haven't gotten around to it.
0: Then, then we're going to throw it in the list.
1: <laughs> yes, we yes we will do that. Yeah, when I originally put that just that list together, I I intended it to be sort of a preliminary and just kind of a a, a foundation and not. Uh, this is, only the, this, is, this is all we're going to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> but. which is why I've not released the list or anything on any of the, uh, the socials or, or anything like that. My original idea was to look at the films in their chronological release order, but I have to admit I'm, I've been rethinking that idea as well. I was thinking if we do it in chronological, it would be interesting to see kind of like how the themes of time travel change over time by seeing some of the earliest examples to versus the more recent examples. But I don't know if, it's nece- if that is necessarily necessary, if that makes any sense, <laughs> to do in a chronological order.
0: I, I love the notion, and, and we can maybe... St- that way but i think uh this will go this will evolve and get organic and i re- really anyone out there listening uh we'd love to hear um some of the ones you never know you could affect our list we are mm-hmm. we are set to allow paradox to uh set itself in to to all of this that's the fun of exploring time travel in and of itself is we can't know it and what and going going into these films and experiencing uh a storyteller's thought on the matter um can evolve how we think about the next one and the next one and the next one so
1: yeah yeah i'd really like if any of our listeners have like their favorite television show or episode or movie that deals with time travel uh if they would suggest that, because it it might be in our list or it might not. And if it's something that sounds really interesting, if it's something you're very passionate about, then it can easily find its way onto the list.
0: And kudos to anyone that comes up with 31 horror-based time travel movies. <laughs> so we can set up our October.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually hadn't thought about that. Oh, God.
0: We're getting it I'd... out there early. Hadn't thought that far ahead. That, that, that is a challenge to the universe.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I also wanted to mention, and I'll, I'll mention a few of these films to see if you, uh, how many of them you've seen. Uh, this, was not, this will not be the first time that the Time Shifters podcast has discussed time travel, no. uh, obviously. Uh, beginning in January of 2017, then co-host Matt and I, we had a lengthy discussion with friend of the show and former co-host Steve on the subject... And we discussed several films related to it. And then over the course of the next several months, we discussed several films uh, related to it, including uh, Primer from 2004. uh, 1979's Time After Time. 2016's ARC. It's A-R-Q, in case you're curious. Mm -hmm. uh, 2007's Eleven Minutes Ago. 1992's Free Jack. And 1980's The Final Countdown. And we did a special episode where we were joined by the hosts of the Test of Time podcast, Alan and James, to discuss 1984's Philadelphia Experiment. So out of those lists, those films that we've already discussed, how many of those are you familiar with, Tom? I imagine most of them.
0: Most, if by name, uh, if I many, I would have faded into the background of Remembrance. But, I mean, the Philadelphia Experiment and the Final Countdown. Yeah, the, those are fairly well ingrained, and I've probably seen them a half dozen times each. So,
1: Eleven minutes ago would be one I definitely would think would be a little bit more obscure for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an independent film that I think Steve stumbled on at one point, and we watched and actually spoke to the filmmakers behind it. And it was a real interesting piece because it was a story about a time traveler that would— was traveling back in time to the to a party that was going on, but it could only stay for 11 minutes at a time before he would be transported back, if I remember the entire premise correctly. And the cool thing about this thing was, is the entire thing was filmed in 11-minute single-take segments.
0: I think I do know this film. Do you? I think I do, because uh, I think I was fascinated with the premise. This, but I would love to revisit that. If I saw it, I saw it once, and it's been a while. So, yeah, I've
1: just got the—they uh, sent a screener uh, copy DVD to me, and that's all that I have. I've never bothered to actually replace it with a legitimate <laughs> store-bought type uh, uh, copy. But yes, the premise alone—it's—it's it's an okay film. I, I liked it. Uh, the, certainly, the premise behind the film I think is more fascinating than the film itself.
0: But that it was quite the premise, so it 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 may may bear a rewatch. I have to
1: think you've seen Free Jack. That's with Emilio Estevez.
0: Yes, no, I I I, I seem to recall that one. But again, I've seen so many films. That's true. <laughs> Between you and I, uh, and to think we haven't scratched the surface, but we have watched combined a lot of film. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) I admire your restraint to have not mentioned Doctor Who. (laughs) I haven't mentioned it, and I didn't put any of them on the
1: list or anything. Although I was thinking, I was tempted to put some of the theatrical release Doctor Who. Fairly certain you've not seen like Doctor Who and the Dalek Invasion of Earth. With Peter Cushing.
0: No, uh, I can't say that I have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're only sort of a um, tangentially Doctor Who fan. You're not a huge fan. You've seen some.
0: Yes, no, like I can get into it, but yeah, my my, my love of Doctor Who ebbs and flows. <laughs> uh, it, it is very contingent on the storytelling and the doctor that's in the seat at the time. I can yeah. be very uh, turned off by a few
1: of them, so... This kind of negates a lot of the films that may be on the list, and it's something I want to discuss with you, is do you prefer when the time travel is a player in the storytelling? Because very often, it's just the MacGuffin. Right. It's, oh, we're a time traveler, we travel on time, and then it's an adventure that just hap- that is happening because we traveled in time, but the time travel is almost insignificant to it. You could have told the same story without time travelers, just setting the whole thing in that time period.
0: And it's interesting that you you say it in that way. And why I feel you may have left Doctor Who out a bit, time travel for Doctor Who is exactly that. It is the MacGuffin. It, It is just the thing that happens. You accept that it is. Just so that they can get to whichever story they want to tell because mm-hmm. it becomes inconsequential where they are in time half the time because they may be on another world altogether or whatever so we we don't act it doesn't really affect what's going on and they have as much in their own lore suggested he can't really change anything so he is just popping in and out and he can he can observe he if there's something that's radical that's caught that could disturb time he can he may have effect in that but for the most part he's just riding the wave and visiting wherever so to that point I do prefer my my time travel stuff to actually be part of the element of the storytelling It, it has to have purpose like what happens because we're time traveling will affect how the story goes. Mm-hmm. I do like those. And and again, that's where I'll call back to my love-hate relationship, because if they do it well, I am amazed, I am awestruck, and I love it. And if they go completely off the rails and screw it up and make me make the little tick in my head start throbbing too hard. Um, (laughs) Then I'm out. (laughs) And and then I'll get, then I can get angry out (laughs) because I'm like, no.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that's something we'll discuss as we talk about each uh, film individually is the type of time travel. Yes. Whether it is a active participant in the story or if it is the MacGuffin and why did they even bother to, try to tell a time travel story. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I think this year is going to be fun. Cause there's going to be a lot of talk about this. each story individually is going to be a discussion upon itself about time travel.
0: Yes. Cause uh, we can talk about the, the movies themselves and, and, and just how we feel about them. But then we get to talk about the time travel element within the movie and how yes. that makes us feel, whether about the movie or just whether or not we want to tear our head off. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and take a break and start down this uh,
0: time travel journey? I think we've more or less laid out the format of what 2022 looks like. So let's get into uh, the conversation. I'm Alan and I'm James and we're the hosts of your new favorite podcast the test
1: of time on our show we talk about our favorite movies from the past mostly from the 80s and
0: 90s. There's Forrest Gump which I hate. We can have Bernie's which I hate and plenty of movies we both love but still love to talk about like Risky Business, Swingers, E.T.,
1: Big and more. We talk about the movies and debate if they still hold up today.
0: In other words do they stand the test of time? So check us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all the usual podcast places. Check out our website, testoftimepod.com, for a full list. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at testoftimepod. It's test of time to subscribe. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. It's the test of time. James and Alan have to say, do do with love still hold up today? bring exciting news from King Arthur's court. A stranger has come to join our round table. A troubadour from a far-off land called Hollywood. A troublesome but pleasant father they call Sir Bing of Crosby. Let me tell you about it. Wait a minute. What Bill Bendix is trying to say is this. Paramount makes entertainment history on a grand scale,
1: presenting the outstanding star of our time as one of the best-loved characters of all time. Mark Twain's immortal jester the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. I have here, Your Majesty, a common, ordinary
0: twig. Presto. Imagine what I could do with the tree. <laughs> and all the wonderful characters of the book are here with me William Bendix as Sir Sagan, Sir Cedric Hardwick as King Arthur, Mervyn Pye as Merlin the Mighty Magician. The Fleming as the luscious Lady alison Let's not wait and hope for something more sublime. Never has been sung you such rollicking rondelays in such a gorgeous Technicolor spectacle. See King Arthur's Round Table in all its glory.
1: The hilarious mix-up when Camelot goes modern glittering pageantry
0: of the battle tournament as Bing duels with an armor-plated killer. <laughs> <laughs> We're busy doing nothing, working the whole day through. trying to find lots of things not to do. Is he going nowhere? Isn't it just a crime? We like to be unhappy, but
1: we never do have the time. We'll all be seeing you. Now, why is this the first film we cover in this theme? And why not the previously made film of the same name or maybe something like The Time Machine or something else that's more subtly a sci-fi film? Good question. <laughs> Do we have a good answer? I have an answer. <laughs> I wanted to begin with one of the earliest films that involves time travel. Now, as we discussed at the top of the show, this is far from the first, but I felt it was kind of one of the more accessible to general audiences mm-hmm. and maybe one that would be more well-known uh, Just in general. And I'm a little bit more of a fan of Bing Crosby than Will Rogers. (laughs) So (laughs) We may jump into the time machine and check out the previous film uh, in a later episode, but we shall see. A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is loosely based on Mark Twain's 1889 novel, A Yankee in King Arthur's Court, which was later retitled A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. It stars crooner Bing Crosby as Hank Martin, a blacksmith and mechanic who takes a fall from a horse and wakes up in the year 528. He befriends a knight, Sir Sagramore, and falls in love with King Arthur's niece, Alessande, who also happens to be Sir Lancelot's betrothed. After using a little science and some common household matches to convince everyone he's a powerful wizard, Lancelot, Merlin, and Morgan Le Fay all have it out for Hank as he tries to shake Camelot up a bit to make it easier for himself to fit in and win the heart and the hand of the woman he loves. I thought this would have been a film that I had seen before. It seemed like something that would have been on XIX
0: on the weekend at some point. I didn't recognize any of it. No, I can't say... um, And I I know I've seen this story before but i don't think i've seen this film before
1: it's exactly what i thought i thought for sure i'd be watching this and going oh yeah i remember this and now i'm wondering if i've maybe seen the will rogers or if there was a film that was maybe titled something different that came later
0: when when you even uh proposed this film i i my head immediately went to what one that I know that I've seen is a kid in King Arthur's court.
1: Ooh, I wonder if that's what's in my head too. Yeah, curious.
0: Yeah, because I I can picture parts of that film. I would have thought yes, like you you had said uh, you, there's there were always the old classics, especially uh, with the old crooners and all that that would be on from time to time. So I would have thought I'd seen this, but no, no, and uh, and no. <laughs> because i don't know what i was expecting since i thought i had seen it before but then what i got was really not what i was expecting either (laughs) i
1: actually sat down and watched this with the wife it because it's a great sort of sit down and watch with your family film it's a
0: family film yes
1: and we enjoyed it we thought it was fun but you're right it i think just because i was expecting just something to jog that memory and it didn't happen. I don't know. It
0: it it sat strangely with me.
1: <laughs> well, I, we, but I still enjoyed it. There was still a lot of this film that I enjoyed.
0: And, and we should be clear as we go through this year. Uh, I imagine us hitting uh, on not our usual genres. Yes. So I mean, I I'm expecting that. Um, and I guess with Bing Crosby at the at the lead songs were going to be sung (laughs) one one doesn't hire the most famous singer of the day and not have him sing a song in your film but as much as uh i guess i should know that was going to happen uh, i i found not that the songs were pleasant just oddly placed and themed
1: (laughs) i suppose maybe uh definitely if you stub your toe on the moon the very first song that you hear Mm -hmm. it does sort of come out of nowhere.
0: It it does, and since he's like he he's got a, a gaggle of children hanging around because they're they're all interested in the newfangled car that that he has at his uh at garage he, at his there, garage his blacksmith shop yeah, yeah. his blacksmith shop that I, I assume he's been tasked on working on um, with with no skill to to actually <laughs> work on it, which that part was humorous. Um, but when when he breaks into song again, I'm expecting um, Bing Crosby to break into song. But I am not expecting um, it to be a conversational song where the children sing back at him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're in "Chitty Chitty Bang Bang" uh, territory here.
1: <laughs> the producers hoped that if you stub your toe on the moon was going to be a big follow up to his. Uh, Previous swinging on a star.
0: Okay.
1: And unfortunately, it didn't catch on, and they never actually released it on the record. But they had hoped, you know, being in this film, and then, uh, yeah, they were just hoping it would would catch, and it it did not. But it was it was a fun, and it was a good song. I kind of liked it.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's nothing to be
1: ashamed of. If you stub your toe on the moon When a dream's at the top of the sky Well, you just have to jump pretty
0: high But don't give up too soon If you stub your toe on the moon Now you take Harry Hatchits. Who's the Harry Hatchets? Young Harry Hadgets loved
1: making gadgets Life needs some new things, was his claim hoped one or two things might bring fame. This is the last time you hear his name. Nobody mentions Harry's inventions, but do you think that got him down? Here comes the end when you've gadgets to mend. He's the best repairman in town. Uh, The song that I really liked in this was the one... That he sang along with uh, Sagramore and King Arthur as they were traveling the the countryside. The busy doing nothing. That was a great song. We're
0: busy doing nothing, working the whole day through, trying to find lots of things not to do. We're busy going nowhere, isn't it just a crime? We like to be unhappy, but we never do have the time. I have to watch the river to see that it doesn't stop. And stick around the rosebuds so they'll know when to pop. Better keep the crickets cheerful, they're really a solemn bunch. Puzzle, and only an hour for lunch. La 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 It was definitely a cute song and very catchy, but considering the moment in the film and what they're supposed to be doing, I I don't know if it fit the theme of what they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> like, like he, he, here's the thing, and I'm just gonna go into straight uh, um, talking about film how how it. If this film is all over the map. We'll get into the time travel components, but, I mean, him acting like a nut one second because apparently he has traveled in time, um, and he's behaving like, well, of course I traveled in time, and now I know everything about King Arthur and all that. We're having that moment. Then we get into the story, and... He shows up and uh, get into other elements, but it's now a love story, basically. He's very interested in the girl. The girl kind of puts him off, so now we go into a different story where now he's going to change the nature of government for England by getting the king to get in touch with his people. And then when that goes horribly wrong, we're back into the love story because she's going to try to save him and all that. And then all of a sudden we're out. We're done with the story and and we're back in reality or whatever the heck is going on. Like I said, it was a little all over the map.
1: And while we're talking about things that are all over the map and maybe Maybe this is as good as time as any. There are moments that are uncomfortable
0: uh, you, in this film. I'd say we're in the day and age where we get that, oh, this is 1949 and people thought it different way. However, it doesn't make it inexcusable that they they thought in that way. It's just now you kind of know why it was there. It never should have been, but it is, and we can't undo it.
1: (laughs) Well, the scene that my wife and I were both sitting and cringing during was Hank has this uh, how-to manual slash almanac, which lets him know how to build any kind of anything that he could possibly need, uh, uh, including apparently a revolver, Mm -hmm. which he does. And he leaves lying around, which Sagramore picks up, and then him playing with it and cocking the handle and tra- shaking it, pointing it at himself and at his head. Literally and trying pulling
0: to... on it with the barrel pointed at his chest.
1: Yes. They're, we're just like, aha, this, mm, no. No. <laughs> That's very, mm. <laughs>
0: no, and I, I, I'm certain for the day that was hysterical. It, yeah.
1: Especially that sit down, sit the kids down and watch the guy have fun with the gun. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, and, and it was the kids of that, that period that were the ones that had the sense. Cause when the first time they heard one go off, they ran for the Hills <laughs> <laughs> um, and should have just kept going. Um, I'm surprised that's the first one that you brought up because I had another cringe worthy moment. All right, please, what was yours? The safety pin. Okay. She is he has pulled out a safety pin and, and Sandy, as he's calling her, um, he is showing her how what you can use the safety pin for and, and he takes her neckerchief and instantly fashions what what's a diaper. She didn't catch on to that right away. That one wasn't the problem, but then at some point he takes said uh, said construct and he puts it on his head and calls it the Aunt Jemima.
1: Oh yes, and like oh yeah, that, that was also
0: really like again knowing the point in time, but why? Why <laughs> even then? What was what that was completely unnecessary? <laughs> And yes. it doesn't entirely make sense either, but, but yeah, that one really kind of, the the gun was terrible too, but that was that the safety pin one happened first and that one already kind of set me on edge. <laughs> <laughs> like you introduced a racist moment for absolutely no reason. <laughs> In, in a
1: in a film with entirely white characters. Yes, yeah, an entirely
0: know. white. Ca- I mean, literally you had no reason to have this conversation and the woman you're talking to is supposed to be from the year 500 whatever and she has no idea what you're talking about anyway.
1: Yeah, the the only way that scene could have been worse is if the then for no reason whatsoever a black actor actress shows up and and oh and thinks it's a really great thing to to wear or something yeah that
0: that that would have been i'm sorry chris we're not gonna talk about this (laughs) i can't do it aside from cringeworthy moments i have to ask you uh bing is a charming gentleman He, he uh there's a reason he did movies yeah i understand as a human being, maybe not necessarily the greatest of guys um, from some of the stories that one hears. Um, But all that, that aside uh, in this telling for a man that, that is apparently traveled well into the past. He seems a little too comfortable.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Once he realizes what's happened, he takes it all in stride way too easily.
0: And takes charge way, way too easily. Like, I, I I, get maybe when he figures where there's a moment or two here and there, but yeah, he doesn't see, like, he's ready to settle down. This is not a problem for him. Set me up a smithy shop, I'll be fine, that's all I need. Yeah. Just- From what I understand of the story, it is supposed to be that whole fish-out-of-water um, kind of story, and... It was very much not that, because he was not a fish out of water. Um, it was more like uh, uh, big fish in big pond goes gets to be big fish in little pond.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone else is extremely awkward around him. Yeah. And he's just him.
0: They're a little too... Um, accepting? Accepting uh, of him, because quite frankly... It, that's kind of the time period one tends to burn people, for, which is what they were setting out to they do were, at the beginning.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're going to burn him as a as a beast or a whatever, and they
0: convinces them that
1: he's a sorcerer.
0: Sagamore's t- tale was actually fairly entertaining for having caught <laughs> caught a man sleeping under a tree. Yes,
1: yeah. He was, Sagamore shouldn't have been a knight. He should have been a storyteller. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> 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 If nothing else, he was fairly entertaining through through the film. <laughs> I did kind of get a kick out of the fact that this
1: film, and it's one of the first times I think I've ever seen it, where Merlin is depicted as, as a just a charlatan. Yeah. And a bad guy, but a charlatan. Yeah. He's not a wizard. He doesn't know anything.
0: <laughs> no, he's completely inept. And all he does is say stuff and not even remotely accurately. <laughs> yeah. But everybody's okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I thought,
1: wow, I don't know if I've ever seen that before.
0: Yeah, you don't usually get the uh, Morgan Le Fay is on Merlin's side kind of thing, and vice versa. That's not traditionally how that story goes. Uh, how did you like uh, Bing
1: Crosby uh, jazzing up the uh, the the court band?
0: That uh, that was. That was pretty cute. I, I kind of enjoyed that. that he, I, once you have to just go ahead. All right, he doesn't care that he's here, and he's just gonna own it. All right, and he's gonna take over. But yeah, when he was uh, tweaking the band so he could get the kind of sound so he could, so he could say song. Uh, that that's that was super cute. I liked that a lot. I also liked uh, once uh, he introduced uh, at least for his time period, modern dancing. Um, you know, cheek to cheek. cheek. Cheek to cheek, which was scandalous. Um yes. But they all got on board with it pretty quick. <laughs> I did
1: like that. He's dancing with, you know, Arthur's favorite niece, cheek to cheek, and everyone is staring, and they're shocked, and Merlin's there, ah, this will be his undoing. Yeah. And then Arthur takes a look at the really attractive girl standing <laughs> next to her. Okay. Seems like a good excuse to get dancing. in on this. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh yeah, no, in fact, the, the the king himself is a truly entertaining character all the way through the film. So he goes from sort of being,
1: you know, the the dottering old king, but then when they kind of get him out and about, yeah. And uh, you know, his cold clears up a little bit and everything, and just to his um his demeanor and his manner. I just really enjoyed when he's in the peasants clothes and he were like, Oh, we're not alone. He's, he's got, you know, (laughs) flea infested clothes. He's going and and towards the end of the film. They're, they're going to the gallows. (laughs) Uh, and he's like, I'm determined to get this flea before I die.
0: (laughs) I thought that was so great. Yeah, no, he, he, he was awesome. Um, I have to say, in our current in our current time period, though, um, watching that man cough and sneeze every minute, it started, it started to send a shiver up my spine. I'm like, stop it! Where's your mask, dude? Get your mask on, man! What the hell?
1: Oh, I also liked when they're they're heading up to the chopping block there, mm-hmm. and it, it, there's just a long line. And you hear you hear a whack in the crowd scream, you know, applauds and you just you see the line move forward. Whack, the crowd applauds, whatever. And Bing's, or let's say the Kings first and then there's Bing Crosby and then it's like their turn and Bing's like, oh, after you. I mean, no sense to stand on formality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I like that too. But then I have another feeling about that whole scene because uh, Bing's in his little book and he's formulating his plan on how to save the day. Do we not care that two or three other people just had their head lobbed off? Right in front of them. Yeah. This is the feel-good family film, and we are literally <laughs> listening to heads roll. <laughs> and everybody's okay with that. He even he even talks them into letting all of the prisoners go, except for those three suckers. <laughs> 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 that, ju- that just lost their lives. We go, Bing. That's a yep. hero. <laughs> um,
1: there are some great little play it, with the uh, dialogue in this. Of course, everyone in the in five twenty eight is speaking in very kind of, or at least in the film's version of <laughs> old English. Yeah, doused. You know, deny it, and Bing's like, I doused.
0: <laughs> it. It did make for at least an effect. Uh, a, an effective and cute comedy. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they they were playing off. Everybody was playing off of each other pretty well. So
1: yeah, no, it was a it was a really great cast. Uh, aside from being Crosby, I should mention some of the other cast members here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Rhonda Fleming as Alessande or Sandy, or Sir Cedric Hardwick as uh, King Arthur, and William Bendix as Sir Sagramore. Um, I've seen William Bendix before as a name I recognized. He was in another film that we covered over on Orphan Entertainment years ago, starred alongside um James Cagney. He's real popular. He was famous for uh, a television series called The Life of Riley, I believe it was. And uh so he was a uh, a comedic actor and so he was perfect for Sagramore for being the sort of uh, second banana in the uh, the comedy uh man in this
0: now i i can't let the cast go without talking about such a small part very alan napier for for those of you out there that that is alfred pennyworth from the 60s batman series
1: And I honestly didn't recognize him. Oh God, him. I was, no,
0: no, he would have been way too young.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize him. I I was trying to figure out which one it was. I I think I missed him.
0: Yeah, no, I mean we're talking which of the
1: executioners? Well, there was there were several. Well, hey, he, <laughs> throughout he, he the was film,
0: high executioner. I don't know how yes. you picked that one out of the bunch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that that. <laughs> I'd almost have to go back and check it out again to see if I can actually see him cuz this is easily 20 years before before he does the Batman stuff, so
1: Right. Now, it's a uh it's an enjoyable film. Uh we should talk let's talk a little bit about the time travel yes. aspect of the film because that's what we are here. This is very much like some of the uh earliest examples that i was discussing uh, sort of the, the the rip van winkles or the uh some of the early chinese and hindu and that sort of where someone just suddenly finds himself another time
0: yes no explanation on the mechanism of how they that came to be or or in this particular case how they return as well yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, he literally, he falls from a horse, uh, gets knocked unconscious, and wakes up in 528. Yeah. That's that's how it happens. And that's pretty much how he returns. Yeah. <laughs> he no, gets he... knocked unconscious and
0: wakes up back in 1949. And that, that was the part that was a little confusing for me there at the end, because he fell from the horse because he was struck, and he looked like he was hurt, and then we fade fade out, and he's... He's back, so I don't know if it was even clear to me that he passed out. (laughs) So this is definitely
1: one where the time travel is just the MacGuffin. Yes. And honestly, in this one, considering that they really didn't play up the fish-out-of-water aspect, you wonder why they even bothered with the time travel at all, other than the whole... So they could use the name,
0: <laughs> yeah. so they could base it on the, the story. Yeah, because we loosely took this from a Mark Twain piece. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you could have done this completely and easily. It, you you, you could have taken out the, uh, the front end and the back end of this and made it any of the Errol Flynn movies of the day, uh, <laughs> where it's just setting and it didn't even need to be King Arthur. It uh, could have just made this medieval story comedy thing where Bing, Bing manages to figure out how to get himself out of a scrape with with the the royalty at the time, learns a way to teach them about a new way of thinking, and then gets the girl in the end. You could have eliminated the rest and not even called it time travel. And it's also one of the
1: time travels that, except for certain pieces of evidence, you could question whether it happened or not.
0: Right, yeah, because it almost has more of that... um, In fact, I kept thinking of it heavily, particularly with the three of them singing their song and going down a trail... um, uh, I was having more of a Wizard of Oz moment with this. That, <laughs> Very much. That, and you were there and you were there? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, especially the coming out of it. And, and I mean, it's clear that uh, the man in the bed to uh Lord, a Pendragon, um, that he is imparting his tale to, which it's completely unclear why or how he got to go see him in the first place. I We get the. Yes, he tra- supposedly traveled in time and all that, but why this particular guy would want to see him and hear his story, they didn't really kind of cover that at all, um, but all of that just to get to the fact that uh, the, the guy is a doppelganger for, for Arthur Pendragon, and so is his niece well my only thought is that
1: perhaps you know he was down taking the tour of the castle and he was commenting on you know all the the shields and commenting on no no that was a that's a bullet hole not a you know right. this and that and kind of annoying the tour guide and that maybe someone passed on information that there was someone causing trouble to the owner of the castle i Completely making things up. <laughs> the film does end with meeting the uh, the Lord Pendragon's niece, who is yes is a. Uh, turns out is Sandy. How did you know my name? And has perf- and has perfected the wink that he was trying to teach his Sandy in five twenty eight.
0: Yeah, talk about a labored callback. <laughs> <laughs> Because they, they really pushed that wink hard at the early part of him being there just to call it back at the, the end. <laughs> nah, well, this was a very
1: tentative toe dip into the time travel, I think. But to start, I don't know. I, I really just didn't want to jump into the deep end with something. I wanted something light to start the topic out and... To start the year and i think this certainly fit the bill
0: well yeah and, and not to mention it, it's really super interesting to to visit the early iterations of time travel in in pop culture and film um like this uh, like yes there is another version of this that predates it by 20 years as well um uh i think you said it was from the 20s wasn't it We'll- uh, there was a silent in the 20s and there was a, another, a talkie in the 30s. Okay, so we've got 10 and 20 years apart from this film, essentially. Um, so while, yes, there's some earlier iteration of time travel, this, this is your first maybe fully accessible version of time travel in, in a very more popular um, portrayal because obviously you've got big name actors involved in this um so this would have been the one that a lot of people would have probably gone hey i saw my first time travel movie exactly yes
1: and it being a musical it's in color that definitely helps 1949 and in color i mean that's still a bit of a rarity
0: so yes Um, while this won't hit hard on the topic of time travel in and of itself like we said this this could have been any film without it and it gone off just the same way other than maybe the pistol. (laughs) (laughs) But could have easily left that behind. (laughs) Could have made him some sort of sage that, Hey, I came up with gunpowder. We didn't even, they didn't even get into how he made the damn bullets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was in the, it was in the book.
0: (laughs) Uh, Not, not, not to harp on that, but I had to, I had to laugh as he was literally just using a hammer uh, on the <laughs> on his pistol as he was supposedly finishing it up, I'm like, "Really? Uh, you're you're banging it out as it's essentially finished? You didn't do that as before when you were putting it together." <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, no, th- this was a nice, lighthearted first attempt at uh, talking about time travel in a place where you wouldn't necessarily have thought to have gotten it.
1: Yes. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court from 1949. So with the uh, magic words of Walla Walla, Washington and Saskatchewan, <laughs> we'll bring this show to an end and we will uh, discuss what we will be covering next. I think we'll, we'll do most of the discussions offline as far as what we're going to be covering next, for, at least for the time being, until we get things hammered out a little bit. Um, So it'll be a little bit of a surprise. I will let everybody know on the social medias what that will be before we actually uh, record about it. And just so you know, because I've been saying now for several episodes, oh yeah, if you follow me on the socials, and I've yet to really truly give links to any of that, I've added, I finally put together a link tree, and that link will be in the show notes, and that, will get you to all the different social media accounts and websites where you can find the information on the show and uh, all that stuff and the, my quick little uh, reviews of films that i come across and and such so yeah finally getting around to making things a little simpler <laughs> so yeah that's gonna do it thank you everyone for listening we'll be back in a couple weeks and uh until then bye see ya